Welcome to Lose Lips, all the things you wanted to say but didn't know how to say it. Today's topic is, is affirmative action bad? And if so, why was it deemed unconstitutional by the Supreme Court? Now, affirmative action is a policy that aims to increase the representation of historically disadvantaged groups, whether it be in education, employment, or other areas. It is often seen as a way to promote diversity, equality, and social justice. However, some critics argue that affirmative action is a bad thing because it violates the principle of meritocracy, creates reverse discrimination, and lowers the standards of performance. Now, if you're going to say that affirmative action violates meritocracy, you need to understand that meritocracy is the idea that people should be rewarded based on their abilities and achievements, regardless of their background or identity. However, meritocracy assumes that everyone has equal access to opportunities and resources, which is not the case in reality. Many factors such as racism, sexism, classism, and other forms of discrimination and oppression can limit the chances of success for some groups and give unfair advantages to others. Affirmative action is not a way to bypass meritocracy, but rather a way to correct the existing inequalities and level the playing field for everyone. So now let's think about the argument that affirmative action creates reverse discrimination. Now, reverse discrimination is the idea that affirmative action harms the members of the dominant or majority group by favoring the members of the minority or underrepresented group. However, this argument ignores the fact that affirmative action does not exclude anyone based on their identity, but rather considers it as one of many factors in a holistic evaluation process. Affirmative action does not guarantee admission or employment for anyone, but rather increases the pool of qualified candidates from diverse backgrounds. Moreover, Affirmative action does not take away anything from the dominant or majority group, but rather expands the opportunities and benefits for everyone. Now, think about the notion that affirmative action lowers the standards of performance. This would actually imply that members of the minority or underrepresented group are less capable or qualified than members of the dominant or majority group, which is a false and harmful stereotype. Affirmative action does not lower the standards of performance, but rather recognizes the potential and talent of people who have faced and overcome the various challenges and barriers in their lives. Affirmative action also enhances the quality and excellence of education, work, and other domains by bringing diverse perspectives, experiences, and skills that enrich the learning and innovation processes. 
So you see, affirmative action is not a bad thing, but rather a good thing that promotes diversity, equality, and social justice. Affirmative action benefits not only the historically disadvantaged groups, but also the society as a whole by creating a more inclusive, fair, and productive environment for everyone. However, affirmative action has also faced criticism and opposition from some groups who argue that it is unfair, ineffective, or even unconstitutional. Some of these groups have launched legal challenges and ballot initiatives to end or limit affirmative actions in various states and institutions. Now, one of the most recent and controversial examples of this is Proposition 16 in California, which was rejected by voters in November of 2020. Now, Proposition 16 would have repealed a 1996 amendment to the state constitution that banned the use of race, sex, color, ethnic, or national origin as a factor in public education, employment, or contracting. Now, supporters of Proposition 16 claim that it would restore affirmative action and promote diversity and inclusion, while opponents argued that it would legalize discrimination and lower standards. The defeat of Proposition 16 was seen as a major setback for affirmative action advocates and a victory for its critics. It also raised questions about the future of affirmative action in the United States, especially under the new administration of President Joe Biden, who has expressed support for affirmative action policies. Now, some experts are predicting that affirmative action will face even more legal and political challenges in the coming years, while others hope that it will be reformed and strengthened to address the persistent inequalities and injustices in American society. Now, the Supreme Court has been involved in several cases that have shaped the legal framework and implementation of affirmative action in the United States. But how effective has the Supreme Court been in their affirmative action rulings? Now, one way to evaluate the effectiveness of the Supreme Court is to look at the outcomes and impacts of their decisions on the affected groups and institutions. For example, some studies have found that affirmative action policies have increased the enrollment and graduation rates of minority students in higher education, as well as their earnings and occupational attainment later in life. Other studies have suggested that affirmative action policies have improved the diversity and quality of education, as well as the social cohesion and civic engagement of students and faculty. Another way to even evaluate the effectiveness of the Supreme Court is to look at the consistency and clarity of their rulings on affirmative action. For example, some critics have argued that the Supreme Court has been inconsistent and vague in defining the criteria and limits of affirmative action such as the use of race as a factor in admissions, the compelling 
interest of diversity and the narrow tailoring of policies. Other critics have said that the Supreme Court has been too differential to the judgments of educational institutions and has even failed to provide adequate oversight and guidance on how to implement affirmative action in a fair and constitutional manner. So, you see, the Supreme Court has played a significant role in shaping the legal landscape and practice of affirmative action in the United States. However, their effectiveness and their affirmative action ruling can be debated from different perspectives and measures. Ultimately, the Supreme Court's decision on affirmative action reflect not only their interpretation of the law, also their vision of justice and equality in a verse and democratic society. This is a question that many people have been asking in recent years as they witness the increasing polarization and corruption of the political and judicial systems. Democracy is supposed to be a form of government where the people have a say in how they are governed and where the rule of law is respected and applied equally to everyone. However, when laws and court rulings are influenced by their personal agendas, biases, or interests, democracy is undermined and the people lose trust in their institutions. Now, some of the causes and consequences of this phenomenon and our possible solutions on what we must do in order to restore democracy and justice in our society. Democracy and justice are two values that many people cherish and aspire to. However, in recent times, we have witnessed the erosion of these values in many parts of the world. Authoritarian regimes, corruption, inequality, Violence and misinformation are some of the threats that undermine democracy and justice. How can we as citizens restore and protect these values in our societies? These are just some of the steps that we can do to restore democracy and justice. We need to start educating ourselves more and others about the principles and practice of democracy and justice. We can learn from our history, literature, philosophy, and other sources of wisdom and inspiration. We can also share our knowledge and perspective with others, especially the younger generation, to foster a culture of civic engagement and critical thinking. We definitely need to start participating in more democratic processes and institutions. We can exercise our rights and responsibilities as citizens by voting, running for office, joining political parties or movements, signing petitions, attending protests, or engaging in other forms of civic action. We can also hold our leaders and representatives accountable for their actions and demand transparency and accountability from them. We need to start supporting civil society organizations and movement that promote democracy and justice. We can donate, volunteer, or collaborate with organizations and movements that work on issues such as human rights, social justice, environmental protection, anti-corruption, media freedom, or peace building. We can also amplify their voices and messages through social media or other platforms. You need to start thinking 
of why so many people want to come to United States and how democracy is faring in other areas of the world. Now, to do this, we need to resist authoritarian authoritarianism and oppression in all forms. We can stand up against any attempts to undermine democracy and justice by authoritarian leaders or groups. We can also support those who are oppressed or persecuted for their beliefs, identities, or actions. And we need to start showing solidarity with them and advocate for their rights and dignity. After all, we live in a democratic society. If we don't use what we are what we are granted in terms of freedom and freedom of speech and the ability to go about and do what we need to do, then we are going to end up like Russia, where we are being told where they are being told what is on their what is on their their TVs as rule, and they are, are listening to their radios that that is law. And they don't deny it. They just listen to what they're being told. And that is not what you want for a democratic society. We need to start promoting dialogue and cooperation among different groups and perspectives. We can foster a culture of respect and tolerance for diversity and pluralism in our societies. We can also seek to understand and empathize with those who have different views or experiences from us. We can engage in constructive dialogue and cooperation with them to find a common ground and solution for our shared challenges. You know, in terms of democracy, there is so much that we can do that we are not utilizing. It is time for us to start to demand our justice, for us to rise up and to speak out. Otherwise, the Supreme Court and all of these rulings are going to keep coming down and we're just going to keep abiding by them and abiding by them without standing up and protesting. This is just one. We have, we've already had three controversial rulings from the Supreme Court. Now, do we really even need the Supreme Court? Are we going to continue to allow them to struck down the laws that we wanted years and years and decades ago? Are we turning our lives back? Are we rolling back history? What is it that we want from our democratic society? It's not just enough for us to sit back and say, oh, other people will do it. No. We are in charge of our own destiny, and it's about time that we stand up and take it. That's all for now. Thanks for listening to Lose Lips, and until next time.